Welcome back to Clear the Air. Today's episode welcomes Brittany Driscoll, the co-founder and CEO at Squeeze, an innovative massage company with a nationwide footprint. In this chat, Brittany will be diving into her initial career in advertising and valuable lessons she learned in those first few years that guided her transition to Drybar, which made a huge impact on marketing. She will then dive into the great things she is developing at Squeeze and how they are becoming disruptors in the wellness space, as well as innovative methods they are utilizing to attract new franchisees. We really hope you enjoy the episode today, and now here's your host, Phil Irvine. Well, uh, Brittany, thanks, uh, you know, thanks for joining us on, on Clear the Air. Uh, I know you have a crazy uh, busy schedule, so glad you were able to make some time to, uh, to join us here and uh, excited to have you. And I think, you know, to kick this off, um, what's interesting about your background, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is that you actually started out your career in advertising and marketing. So um, we'd love to have you, you know, maybe walk us through what attracted you to the field initially, maybe some of the main lessons that you learned at some of your stops at Cheetah Mail or Rap. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you just dive into that a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I always love going back to my my advertising roots. So yes, as you mentioned, I uh, I started my career in marketing and advertising. I actually studied communications at Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles, and I always like to say communications is the major where you don't know you you choose it because you don't know what you want to do. You just know you don't want to do heavy duty math anymore <laughs> or like accounting classes. So. Um, I was really fortunate to land an awesome internship my junior year, and I went to work for an experiential marketing agency and ironically was part of a team that helped with all of the grand openings of the Home Depot. And we also did like a hundred city nationwide local contractor show. So, you know, kind of jumped right into experiential marketing, which I would say, you know, that, that experience well, first of all, I just fell in love with the power of storytelling and how brands could connect with consumers in meaningful ways and really, you know, move business forward. Um, but the thing that I took away the most from that experience was knowing your audience. It was the first time where I was interacting with clients and obviously, you know, had bosses for the first time. So there was just a lot of, um, learnings and recognition around, you know, there's different motivations that people have and expectations. And it's really important that, you know, you're able to read the room and really understand that piece. I feel like in business on the whole, that's served me well. So I I feel like that was probably my takeaway from there. And then, yeah, I bounced around at a few different other agencies. Um, my first job, as you mentioned, Cheetah Mail, I actually haven't thought about Cheetah Mail in so long, but that was my first job out of college. And I was Cheetah Mail, for people who don't know, it's an email service provider. And so I was, I had cool clients like Nordstrom and Stars Entertainment and Teleflora, but um, but I was doing like all their data and email segmentation, which obviously super, super important, but just for my personality and kind of how I like to show up in the world, it was just too, um, too behind the scenes for me. Um, but I learned so much, you know, from that experience. I mean, certainly understanding how data plays into overarching strategy and, you know, understanding again, people's motives and then like the right messaging to serve them to drive a call to action. I mean, I'll be forever grateful for that experience, but I just couldn't, I couldn't sit behind a screen and code all day long, which I now say is like a real <laughs> miss. I should have, I should have stuck with it. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I came in at the client partner level. So I, I, 
I had to do a little less coding, but I, I definitely had to learn that, you know, I had to, I had to have hands on keyboard to understand how to manage the team. But, um, but yeah, I no, I feel what you're saying though, about the, uh, being a little bit too behind the scenes there. Yeah. 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 Um, and then from there I went to a direct uh, response agency wrap, which is another Omnicom firm. And, uh, you know, I worked with a lot of amazing brands, global brands, Toyota, Skype, um, AAA of, of Southern California and did all of their direct mail. So everything from not only email, but, you know, actual physical um, postcards and whatnot that showed up in people's mailboxes, which at the time worked well. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would say that that was similarly just a really good foundation of data and strategy and understanding consumer behavior. And also we did all of like Toyota's new car launches. So just understanding how to drive um, purchase behavior and whatnot. But at the time, my office was in El Segundo and my window looked out at Mattel every day. And I was like, man, wouldn't it be so fun to work? I worked really hard. I worked long hours. Like, wouldn't it be so fun to go work for Mattel and work on Barbie and Hot Wheels? Like, what better job could there possibly be? And so, you know, it, it's funny. I'm now an entrepreneur, but I certainly never saw myself as one. But I can kind of look back and connect the dots around, um, you know, just the the power of having that kind of curiosity and entrepreneurial spirit. And so what I did was I really dug in and figured out, like, how could, what does Mattel need help with right now? Like, what are their RFPs that they're currently have out? Um, and I just kind of navigated my way through and I found that they were looking for a global promotions agency, which of course my agency at the time didn't offer those services, but because we were a part of a larger network, I convinced the managing director to partner with one of our sister companies and we pitched Barbie for their first global promotion and did this whole, you know, gamification around uh around the toys and the brand and and ultimately mm -hmm. was successful enough to the point where we also over several years won the hot wheels business and you know my big takeaway from that whole experience aside from just like having the i guess just like the I don't think I knew any better at the time, right? I didn't know mm -hmm. that I couldn't like ask for these things. Um, but so just having like the the guts enough, I suppose, to throw it out there as a potential option. Because what I said to the managing director at the time was like, hey, I know the creative team is going to love this. Like these mm -hmm. are fun brands. Like it will just kind of revive, I feel like, the agency in a lot of ways. And it really did. And so um, aside from just, you know, probably the biggest takeaway from that was like learning that, you don't get what you don't ask for. So like the worst yeah. thing that someone can say is no. Um, and I also had a boss at the time who really championed me on every level, like let me fail. There was a lot of, you know, projects with like AAA and Toyota that I didn't always get right. And so I'm really grateful for that experience in my life because I feel like she gave me so much confidence in just going for it, mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like is such an important thing for managers out there to remember, like you have such an opportunity to inspire and motivate your team to take, you know, big chances and, and drive things for the company that, you know, may not be super obvious, but in any yeah, case, what do you think, uh, yeah, sorry, I was gonna say, what do you think uh, let or gave you that confidence to take those chances? knowing that you might fail. I, I, and w one of the reasons I wanted to touch on that is that was actually a big theme in one of our one of our last episodes is that so many 
young people they're so afraid of failure at the early stages of their career but but we were touching on how that's that's really how you learn and progress throughout your career so i i'm just curious like where you where you got that confidence from to not be afraid of failure yeah yeah failing early and often is the way to build a super successful career i feel like we learn far more from our failures than we do success so it's like we just need to change that dynamic for you know young people out there because there's so much there's so much goodness that can come from it you know i don't know it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about i'm a type three on the enneagram which is like a an achiever or a performer so i kind of naturally have this like i want to do a good job mentality and i want to go above and beyond and it's just kind of like the fire and drive in me um but i do have a real fear of other people seeing me fail it's not even so much like the failure piece it's like what people are going to think of me and i really kind of had to come to grips with that as i started my own business which we'll get to in a second and i think what i ultimately came to was you know at the end of the day i have this weird thing where like i think about when i'm on my deathbed i'm looking back on my life like what am i going to be super proud of and what are the things that i'm going to wish i had done differently and i just feel like that feeling of regret seems so much worse than failing. Mm -hmm. It's like, gosh, you know, if you could have just tried, um, you never know where that's going to take you. And so I think I've always, always have just thought like, well, even if it doesn't work out, I know that I'm going to learn something. I know that I'm going to feel challenged. And in doing those things, I'm growing as an individual, both personally and professionally. And I just think at the end of the day, like that's what life is all about. So it's too short to be, to be, you know, worried about failing. Yeah, no, totally, um, uh, totally aligned there. And um, I, as a side hobby, I do endurance sports. So I've tried to do a couple like longer triathlons and marathons. And, and I've, uh, I, I mean, I've been crushed by some of these races where I've, comp- I, so I'm used to failure in some of those yeah. just because I didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to go about nutrition, but uh, yeah, no, I love the way you responded. There is the, uh, I, you know, like you said, I'd rather know that I failed and didn't even try and have that regret of not even taking the chance. I think that's that's like spot on, you know. Right, right. Well, and using your example, it's like, you know, now you probably know other things about fitness and nutrition and like sleep patterns and recovery, like all of these things yeah. that you probably didn't beforehand. That's just making you better. And I'm sure you, you know, impact other people's lives for the better. So there's just so much learning that takes place when you're willing to put yourself out there. Definitely, definitely. Um so yeah, so let's um, you know, before we get to squeeze, let's talk about how um you got connected with with Drybar and all of the great things that you did there. You know, you eventually uh, you know, you, you kind of led marketing and yeah, I love for you to touch on it because um, you know, I did some light consulting for a company called uh, Alchemy 43. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you so you're familiar um so I used to work in aesthetics for Allergan and ran their loyalty program and I was kind of helping them out to think about how they how they should go about direct to consumer marketing. And it's funny, the way they position themselves is they wanted to be the dry bar of aesthetics. And yeah. so, um, yeah, curious to see if you could touch on your time there and and how, you know, dry bar kind of kind of, you know, stood out from the crowd in, you know, the the, the hair and blowout, you know, space just just, 
yeah, I want to see if you can touch on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to driver, I want to talk really quickly about Hot Wheels only because I think mm -hmm. it dovetails nicely into the driver experience. The one thing that we did with Hot Wheels when I was still on the agency side was we created this campaign called Hot Wheels for Real. Most people don't know that the toys are designed to scale, so you can actually literally build them for real. And we came up with this campaign. The the initiative was trying to, you know, make Hot Wheels relevant again for guys in between being a kid and a dad. And so we worked with like the world's best race car drivers, everyone from Mario Andretti to Danica Patrick to all the stunt drivers that do things from like Fast and Furious and all the uh, car commercials that you see. And we, you know, subverted major athletic events like the Indianapolis 500 and X Games and built these cars for real and executed mm -hmm world record breaking stunts and had this whole campaign that existed online. And when you think about the fact that a toy company was willing to take a giant leap and a risk like that to literally put people's lives in danger too, because we built like an eight, a hundred foot door in the mid middle of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, sent an 800 horsepower truck down it. The X Games, we literally built the double loop that you can imagine, sent cars oh, through wow. it. So there was just a ton of um, real effort and execution clearly that needed to be done right um, in order for all of those things to work out well <laughs> and also be able to continue to happen. And I think the thing that that really did for me, again, it's funny how you can like connect the dots looking back on your life. Like that was the first real true, I, I feel like entrepreneurial experience that I had. It was like, it had never been done before. It was this crazy big massive vision that the small group of people had and we were we were so committed to it you know it was like when you have a big vision and all the right players involved and um just the commitment to seeing it through and everyone playing their part it's like anything's possible so I think for me that was a real cool moment in time of recognizing like wow you really can do anything with like all the right with all the right pieces of the puzzle in place. Um, and so after that experience, which as you can imagine was like an adrenaline rush times a million for yeah, like, for sure. you know, four years, um, I had become a personal fan of Drybar. So Drybar had just launched and they were a couple years in. I really resonated so much with everything about the brand. Um, you know, they, they had thought of so many little things like dry bar, especially for the guys out there, but maybe some women too, who haven't experienced it. Like it's literally set up like a bar. So, you know, when you go get your hair done in a traditional salon, you're sitting there with a wet mop looking in a mirror, like, you know, you're worse. There's just so much about the experience that needed or, or, you know, had the opportunity for disruption and driver just did it. So right. It's like, you sit at a bar, you're served champagne, you watch fun movies, you know, all the, like even their napkins that they serve champagne on has cute little sayings on it. There's, there was just so much about it that I was like, wow, this company is onto something. And the reason that I think they were onto something is, is because of the fact, and we used to say this is they weren't selling blowouts. You know, we always used to say that we were selling the happiness and confidence that came with a blowout. And when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you can take on the world. And so, you know, I think it's like when there's a bigger mission and, a, and an emotional, you know, reason or an emotional pull and draw and benefit that a brand can bring to a person on a daily basis, like that's the ticket. That's, that's the magic, you know, and there's this great Seth Godin quote that says people don't buy products and services, people buy stories, relations, and magic. And I think that that's what Drybar had was like a great story. You know, Allie was a stay at home mom. She was a stylist. She 
opened this one little shop on San Vicente and Brentwood and thought it would be her nice little life. And then all of a sudden, you know, dry bar became what it was. So it was like, there was that piece of it that you're like rooting for the American dream. And then just the experience was so brilliant. So yeah, you know, that was a ride of a lifetime. I was with dry bar from 2013 to 2017, helped build the company from 30 million to over a hundred million. I got to build out an amazing team and onboard a ton of franchisees. Um, and also uh, build the product line into all the retailers that it exists today. So, you know, it was, um, you know, it was certainly just a moment in time that feels really special and a cool thing mm -hmm. to have been a part of. Uh, but I suppose like, like anything, you know, you get to a point where you're just like itching for something new and a new challenge, which is, which is kind of where, where squeeze comes into play. And, 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 and great segue there. Um, I guess, you know, before we get to squeeze, um, when you came to Dry Bar and were at Dry Bar, did did you know? Because that was that your first experience in a whole franchisor franchisee model in in your career. Because uh, I guess was there something about that that type of structure that that appealed to you that that said to you, you know, I want to continue along this path because it is it is a little different than a traditional you know direct to consumer or B two B type business. Which curious there. Yeah, well, so it was actually not only my first franchise experience, it was my first in-house job. Like up mm -hmm. until then, I had only worked on the agency side. And with Mattel in particular, I ended up kind of playing this hybrid role. So I was very involved internally with all of their marketing operations. But aside from that, I hadn't even worked in-house. So there was a lot of learning curves with that. You know, it's interesting going from like, a company that exists solely for marketing. So every single person in the organization like understands marketing, they are all about it. There's like constant innovation to you go in in house and all of a sudden you're surrounded by operators and finance people. And, you know, not everyone appreciates marketing as much as you do, or even like understands the benefit of it, you know, so it, it kind of became this interesting role of, okay, well, first you, you've got to really understand kind of everything that I talked about earlier, like how does, you know, consumer behavior work? How does data help us make informed decisions? Like all of a sudden it was like, oh, all, all this experience that I have is really coming to fruition. Um, but to touch on the franchising piece too, Drybar actually was majority company owned when I worked for, for mm -hmm. Drybar. They're now, you know, franchising much more now, but but a lot of learnings from that clearly. And we're choosing to solely scale squeeze through franchising because of some of those learnings. But at the time it was like a balance of opening corporate doors and also supporting franchisees. So there's a ton of newness yep. in the mix. <laughs> Got you. And then, yeah, so now, um, you know, big reason we're here, uh, squeeze, which you're now the currently the, the head of, um, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your, your first location is in studio city. Correct. Is, is that correct? Um, so, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm always fascinated in spaces where there's already competition. So, you know, I live in Sherman Oaks. I think I live maybe two miles away from the location, but you know, you have a variety of massage envies. You have Mas massage palace, I think is one. I, and I know there's, there's a variety of others, but I just curious, like why, you know, what you saw in that category or, or what opportunity you saw to, to get into that space and, and break through from the crowd. Just, just, just curious, like what, what the impetus was for you there, you know? Yeah. Well, I would say that there's nothing better than a little disruption. And I think that yeah. that's really what we saw the opportunity and the, the massage landscape to be. It's like on one end of the spectrum, you've got the low end discount chains, like, and I always like to give them 
credit for making massage accessible to the masses over the past 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, you know, unfortunately, the, the innovation and the consumer experience just haven't kept up with the expectation that we all want today. And then on the flip side, there's the high-end hotels and spas, which are lovely and indulgent, but unattainable for a regular routine experience. And that was kind of the case before Drybar existed too. There was like the low-end discount salon chains and the high-end places, but nothing that really delivered this quality service that felt luxurious and felt sophisticated, but still at an affordable price point. And so that's what we've done with Squeeze is we exist like Drybar does in that affordable luxury space. We're very fortunate. Squeeze was not my brainchild, um, but it's certainly, you know, an idea that I took and, and ran with and, and helped to build. Um, but it was actually Michael and Ali, founders of Drybar, who always had this idea. And they really felt like, in addition to creating a great brand and like, you know, a fresh experience and kind of all those surprise and delight elements that we learned worked really well in a brick and mortar experience at Drybar and, and brought those into Squeeze. It was also the actual, you know, full transactional experience that exists within the space that was incredibly unrelaxing. Things like having to call individual locations to find, you know, an appointment, um, not knowing what therapist you were going to get, having to remember all of your preferences and having to repeat them time and time again, then post-massage having to wait in a clunky line and have an awkward tipping exchange. And maybe, you know, your benefit, your member benefits from one location doesn't transfer to the other. Like there were all of these things that existed that just felt clunky and outdated. And so that's what we've solved for at Squeeze. So in addition to working with the same founding team of Drybar, so we have the same branding genius, Cam Webb, who I worked with, you know, um, side by side my entire time at Drybar. And then our architect, Josh Heitler, uh, who, again, is just really brilliant in creating those surprise and delight moments and just innovative design on the whole. Our technology component is that we've built out an end-to-end platform through an iPhone app or our website that enables guests to do everything from book an appointment, they can, you know, uh, research or, or, or read therapist bios to understand their technique and their approach. Guests set their personalized preferences, everything from areas of the body they want focused on, what they want avoided, if they want more or less pressure, do they prefer oil or lotion, do they want their table heated, All that information is filled out once, saved to their profile. You can update it, of course, but the idea being that, you know, we've captured what you want and the therapist has access to that prior to the massage. So they're able to review it. Also gives them a lot of confidence, you know, walking into the service, knowing exactly what the expectation of the guest is. And we also have additional personalization aspects when you get into the location itself. So there's like an interactive aromatherapy bar where you can open a door, get a sense of a scent, let your therapist know what you would like during your experience. When you get into, we call our massage room suites, but when you get into the suite, you can adjust uh, your lighting, the dimness of the room. We have six different music playlists that you can choose from. So everything from the traditional Zen playlist to piano to waves, we have an island playlist, we have vibes and indie, like we have a holiday playlist that we filter in during the holidays. So really just trying to cater to, you know, people's preferences and make it feel very personalized. We also added a ready button to the table. So you as the guest, once you've gotten comfortable and are ready for your massage to start, you hit the button, a light turns on outside the room, 
then the therapist needs to come back in, which also the therapists really appreciate because you can imagine they've had lots of awkward, you know, exchanges <laughs> during their career. Um, and then post-massage, it's like Uber and Postmates, guests rate, tip, and review at their leisure. We like to say guests walk in and flow out. So we really just tried to streamline the experience, make it much more relaxing and enjoyable. And so far, so good. <laughs> that's all. No, that's uh, no, it's. You describing this makes me want to book an appointment right now. I just uh, just just had a big workout and I'm feeling sore. I wonder if I need I should go in after after yeah. I finish up the day today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I you know um, yeah and uh, and I I did a, I did go on your mobile app and it seemed like I mean very clean uh, seamless experience. I, I still need to book my appointment, but I kind of made it up to that step. But I I liked how you could set your preferences and things of that nature. Um, you know I'd love to see if you could touch on. You know, back to the, the 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 you know the topic of the franchise or versus franchisee model, and you know maybe in how you go about setting you know kind of national level standards in terms of how the experience should be uh, facilitated, and also from an advertising perspective, like like how much do you guys try to standardize across your locations versus uh, giving liberty to the franchisees to to tailor or adjust their efforts for their specific local regions. Just just kind of curious how you guys think think through that. Yeah, well, learnings from Driver. I mean, the reason that we chose to franchise squeeze exclusively, as I mentioned earlier, Driver was a mix of corporate and, and franchising was, um, was just because we learned along the way that operating partners, which is what we call our franchisees, you know, they, they operate their businesses better. They have skin in the game. They're connected to their community. They care deeply about their team. They're entrenched in their business as if it was their own, which, you know, when you're running corporate stores, you're, you're hiring teams that, you know, you're hoping care as much about your business as you do. But as we all know, that's, that's a hard balance to strike. And so, you know, we were really committed to the franchising route. Also for me, personally, this being my first true entrepreneurial venture, like I really loved the idea. Uh, I always say, you know, running your own business is overwhelming and exhausting, but mostly liberating. And I just really loved the idea of creating this opportunity and experience for other small business owners out there. This is also clearly a wonderful space to exist within. I always like to say that the hour to hour and a half that a guest chooses to spend with us is the best hour to hour and a half of their day, combined with the fact that massage therapists go to school to help and heal people. Like, so the two of those things combined is just a really beautiful energy space to exist within. Um, so just loved the idea of getting to partner with, you know, amazing people around the country and allowing them to really own, uh, you know, this little, this little slice of an awesome experience in their community. Um, but to your point, I mean, franchising really only works well when you have a very streamlined and sophisticated system and order of operations to ensure that, the success of the concept can actually be replicated. And so, and I would say that, you know, that was the great foundation that we started with at Squeeze um, coming from Drybar was really understanding what those pieces of the puzzle were and how to make sure that we were setting our franchisees up for success. So I always like to say we're, we're an emerging brand in the sense that we're a new franchisor, but we really are established like a, yeah. an established franchisor, you know, or, or a proven one, just because, you know, we know all of the support um, tools that need to be in place to ensure our franchisees success. And that goes from, you know, everything from 
real estate site selection to construction project management. You know, we've got teams in place to support our franchisees on both of those functions. Clearly one of the most important functions for a retail brick and mortar business, but also the most unknown to most franchisees. So we've got, you know, a locked and loaded team who supports um, our operating partners up until opening. And then of course we have toolkits upon, upon toolkits um, to support everything from recruiting and interviewing and onboarding your team to training to marketing um, and operations and and the whole bit. Um, I guess to speak really quickly to your question around marketing and advertising, you know, I always used to say at Drybar, um, I I thought of it like a love brand, you know, people's kind of Mm -hmm. natural reaction when they, when they hear Drybar or someone mentions it is, oh my gosh, I love Drybar. And it's again, because of that emotional connection that the brand and the experience creates and that feeling of confidence that, you know, we're able to deliver for, for people. But I believe that there's a responsibility on both the franchisor and the franchisee to create that love brand experience. And so for us as the franchisor, you know, my responsibility is to consistently drive innovation, ensure that our experience continues to be world-class, ensure that, you know, all of the elements that exist within that can easily be replicated for our franchisees. Um, And also to own the brand, you know, at the end of the day, we're partnering with operating partners because they are great operators not necessarily brand builders or marketers. You know, that's where we're going to support um, and help to drive business. Whereas the franchisee's responsibility is creating a great service and connection with their guests and their team. And as long as they've got the tools to do that, you know, partnering, choosing to buy into a franchise is, is so that you can have not only the support for operating your business, but also kind of that that overarching layer of brand building um, and marketing support that comes with it. So it's interesting. I It's like, I always reference this and I can't remember who said it to me, but someone said really early on, if you want to run an operations and HR heavy business, open corporate and doors. If you want to run a sales and marketing business, sell franchises. And I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Well, based on my experience <laughs> and who I am, that makes a lot of sense. So that was kind of, you know, also a moment in time where I thought, okay, this is the right direction to go. Got you. Um, and, you know, um, just, you know, you, you touched on bringing um, innovation to the brand. And I guess I'm curious, um, you know, from your experience, you know, may, either Drybar or Squeeze, um, you know, how do you go about thinking about innovation and maybe shifting gears with how you're building the brand? Um, you know, is... Uh, do you guys have feedback loops from your customers to see maybe if there's a disconnect with how the experience is actually being played out versus maybe how it was intended? Um, are, are you, you know, are you researching the market to study consumer trends? Yeah, just curious with maybe what some of your your go-tos are of how you come up with those those new ideas for for innovation. You know? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I think the greatest ideas come from personal necessity, you know, and or frustration mm-hmm. with any industry or any product or any service that exists, like going back to all of those pain points that I mentioned earlier that we felt like needed to be solved for. Like, I really do think the best 
the best ideas and, and innovation comes comes from personal frustration or necessity. So I would say that that's like first and foremost, like if you're feeling you're out there and you feel like, you know, something can be done better, chances are it can, you just have to do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was, that's kind of our first take, I suppose, in, in innovation. But from an ongoing standpoint, yes, absolutely. One of the key benefits, I think, built into our business that's very different than many uh, retail service providers, I guess I would say, is we do have that immediate feedback loop like Uber and Postmates, as I mentioned. So the ability to rate and review immediately after your service. And we have a centralized guest services team that picks up on that immediately. And it's kind of like a, it's a win-win across the board. You know, 99.9% .9 of people love their experience and their massages because who, you know, it's hard to go wrong with the massage. But when you do, the opportunity is to fix it immediately. You know, you think about a lot of retail businesses, they get a negative Yelp review, or maybe no one says anything. And so it's a tree falling in the forest and there's not an opportunity to improve. But the way that our business is literally built is we have that immediate feedback to be able to respond to. So yes, I would Absolutely. say that, Absolutely. you know, that feedback loop has enabled us to make small adjustments along the way, mm -hmm. setting our franchisees up for success. And then similarly, so as we get more locations open, we'll have, you know, additional input to, to improve upon. And then I suppose the only other thing I'll say about innovation and just like the thought process around thinking about particularly an experience-based business is I do think that there is something to be said for simplicity. We always used to say at Drybar that our philosophy was simple. We wanted to focus on one thing and be the best at it. And that was blowouts, kind of like the in and out model with three yeah. items on their menu and they've existed, you know, and so that's what we're focused on at Squeeze too, is, you know, we're going to be the best at massage. We're going to be known for, you know, the, the up and coming experience that, uh, you know, that people want to, to participate in and be a part of, you know, like Uber did for transportation, what Postmates did for food delivery, what Airbnb did for hospitality, you know, Squeeze is going to be the, you know, the next innovation in massage. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's across I want to you mentioned in and out, but across like all of fast casual, I'm seeing that as a as a big theme with a lot of the new restaurants that are popping up. They only have like four or five menu items and you're you're seeing that uh, crossover into other categories as well um, yeah. right now. Um, so I, I think, you know, a last thing just to touch on here, um, you know, one thing we chatted about earlier is that you guys are thinking through kind of different mechanisms to recruit. Uh, franchisees versus a lot of the other traditional models. And yeah, I was just curious uh, if, if you could touch on that. Um, you know, I, I get I get contacted by consultants here and there, you know, about franchisee opportunities. But I'm just curious, you know, how you guys are maybe thinking about that differently, just to associate there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think franchising is still unfortunately a little bit of a dirty word, you know, like you think about kind of the older models that have existed forever. And, you know, so, in, and so in that sense, I think there's a lot of wonderful, amazing people out there who never even consider franchising as a path for them. And so my hope in building this really great experience in this health and wellness space that, you know, more and more people are focused on and, you know, choosing to, to make a necessity in their own personal lives is like, you know, let this be an opportunity for any person out there who's working in corporate America um, or even working for themselves and, who, you know, who wants a bigger opportunity or a support network to exist within, 
this is a really cool space to be a part of. And my hope as we kind of go about partnering with our franchisees is that we're um, we're finding them in different ways. I mean, certainly, you know, we advertise on places like Facebook and Instagram because that's where we all live, you know, and exist during our days. But um, but what what that's opened up for is many people. I mean, we've got ex Amazon, Walmart, Disney, Coca Cola executives who are all now uh, squeeze franchisees, and many of them have said, "Gosh, you know, I never considered franchising because." I always think of like, you know, the insurance agency or the, the fast food yeah, yeah. and I don't want, I don't want to be in those businesses, but wow, what a cool opportunity to be a part of this. So we are trying to, to go about getting the word out there differently and um, to hopefully find people who had never considered this, but would absolutely be able to plug in and be super successful doing it. Um, and also because the great thing about franchising is you're coming into a system that has you know, support tools for every functional area of the business and also a community of like-minded franchisees out there in other cities doing the exact same thing. So it's like getting a chance to kind of take the entrepreneurial leap, but with a safety net below and around you, which, you know, is what I'm really passionate about and very excited as we, as we scale squeeze. Got you. And do you guys have, uh, is is it just kind of active ownership or do you make do do you have any that are kind of more passive where they're not like fully, you know, kind of dedicated or just case? Yeah, we've built and designed the system to be a semi-absentee model. However, we do really require the owner operator to be very invested in the in the business in the beginning, like the first six to nine months, because mm-hmm. we're a people business, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're selling people's time. And so we want to make sure that we're creating yeah. a space where the team feels super connected. I mean, culture is a huge part of our business. We've really tried to design a lot of our programs internally to celebrate our people in different ways. So we want our, our you know, operating partners to be invested in that and also to help build the community, the guest community, and, you know, be out there in a face and, um, you know, people want to support people. So, uh, but after the, the business is, you know, established and the team is up and running, the the goal is that after a certain period of time, you can either move on to opening your next location or, you know, pursue other personal passions. So it is set up to allow for that in, in the long run. Got you. Got you. Well, uh, well, Brittany, this has been, this has been great. You know, if, if, if people are interested in squeeze, whether it's potentially becoming a franchisee or or just booking a massage, which I'm about to do after we get off here, uh, where where can they where can they find you guys for more more information here? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, if you just want to stay up with the latest, follow us on Instagram at Squeeze. If you want to book an appointment, head to SqueezeMassage.com. There's a link to download our iPhone app, or you can just do it directly through the site. And then if you're interested in franchising, just add a forward slash franchising to SqueezeMassage.com, and we've got all the information there. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and thanks for thanks for joining us here on uh, Clear the Air here. Thanks so much, Phil. Clear the Air is brought to you by RPA, a full-service advertising agency based in Santa Monica, California. RPA is comprised of over 650 creative thinkers, marketing specialists, and client profit maximizers who do a lot of different things. Strategy, creative, media, digital, social, data, web dev, tech, search, and more to support your brand's needs. Music by Jeremy Levy.